Welcome to a Nutrition and Clinical Practice podcast. I'm Dr. Jeanette Hassey, the Editor-in-Chief of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. Today we will be discussing the study, Treating Dehydration at Home Avoids Healthcare Costs Associated with Emergency Department Visits and Hospital Readmissions in Adult Home Parental Support Patients, which was published in the June 2017 issue of NCP. Joining me for a discussion of the paper are Denise Conrad, the lead author, and Mandy Corrigan, one of the co-authors. Denise Conrad is a registered dietitian with the Home Nutrition Support Service at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. And Mandy Corrigan is a registered dietitian and Home Nutrition Support Service Manager at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. So thank you for joining me today for this discussion. Before we start our conversation, I'd like to ask Ms. Conrad and Ms. Corrigan if they have any disclosures on this topic that they'd like to share. Do not have any disclosures. I also do not have any disclosures. Thank you. So, Denise, I'm going to start here with you. In your study, as you published it in NCP, outlines how your center implemented a protocol that provides IV fluids at home for patients on home parental nutrition to reduce costs associated with hospitalization for dehydration. So can you briefly tell our readers about your protocol and why this approach is novel or different from the past standard of care? Sure. The protocol that we used to treat dehydration at home was to provide one liter bags of IV fluids to be used as needed for when signs or symptoms of dehydration occurred. If the patient noticed the signs of dehydration, they were instructed to call our service to discuss what symptoms they were having and to see if the extra IV fluids were appropriate. On the other hand, if the clinician identified dehydration on lab results or maybe in taken output records, they would contact the patient to further assess them. If it was determined that they were dehydrated, we would have them infuse one liter of the IV fluids for three days in addition to whatever they were supposed to infuse with the PN. So this was different from our previous practice of having the infusion pharmacy have to deliver the IV fluids after dehydration was identified. At times, this would delay the care too much, and patients may end up needing to go to the ED if necessary. So, Mandy, let's expand on some of those reasons here a little bit. Can you give me an idea about what the impetus was to implement this protocol? Sure. We were looking at our program and just reviewing data about common complications and readmissions. And we looked at the list of common reasons that came up and looking for items that were associated with home TPN, so things that we could make an impact on. And the two biggest categories that we found for readmissions to the hospital for our service was for catheter-related bloodstream infection and for dehydration. So we were working to decrease our CRBSI rates with the use of ethanol lock and some other protocols. And then we kind of focused in on dehydration as another way that we could reduce some of our hospital admissions that were related to nutrition support interventions. It sounds like this protocol was really focused around the patient and provide best patient care. But Denise, I'm curious, how did you determine cost savings with this process and how much savings did you see with the study and have you been able to maintain those savings? Yeah, so to determine the cost savings for the emergency department visits and also the hospital readmissions, we consulted with our financial department and we looked at all of the encounters that were coded for dehydration. 
We included any of the direct costs that were related to patient care, and we also included the indirect costs, such as utilities and general overhead, which is how these encounters are billed. Only the admissions with the primary diagnosis of dehydration were included in the cost analysis because encounters for other potentially more serious reasons, such as kidney failure, those wouldn't have been able to be prevented by using extra IV fluids at home. To determine the cost savings for treating dehydration in the home, we consulted with our institution's home infusion pharmacy to determine with the cost of the IV fluid bags, the gravity pump, which they use to infuse the fluids, the tubing, and also a nursing visit to instruct the patient or the caregiver how to administer the fluids if they haven't done it in the past. Unfortunately, we're not able to share the exact dollar amounts for the savings. This information is proprietary to our organization. However, we can tell you that an ED visit costs about five times as much as home treatment, and a hospital admission costs about 19 times more than home treatment. So we were able to show a huge cost savings, and we have been able to maintain these savings over time. Denise, what were the most common indications or that you use for dehydration that tells you that your patients need treatment? So the most common symptoms that were reported during our study period were a decrease in weight. We usually use the protocol of one kilogram each day or one pound each day for two days in a row, decreased urine output, especially if it's below a liter. And then a lot of patients also reported that they had increased GI losses, either from a stoma or a venting tube or a drain. Mandy, are there any certain situations or patients in whom this protocol doesn't work? In other words, is there a trend for what type of patient or condition whereby hospitalization is preferred instead of doing this home treatment of dehydration? I think that's really where we tried to engage our patients to partner with us to have a role in reporting their symptoms early. And that was built into the education that was provided to the patient, and that's what the home TPN clinicians tried to reinforce is call us with the symptoms that Denise mentioned you know, early. Sometimes we had some patients that maybe didn't take the attempt to call us or didn't notice the symptoms or ignored the symptoms. So in some patients where the dehydration was identified far too late, we weren't able to necessarily avoid those admissions. If we would be getting routine labs and notice something that was very, very severely off that wasn't amenable to treatment at home, we would have the discussion about bringing the patient in. So really kind of looking at those lab values and some additional data and also the clinical state to make that determination. And much of it was case by case, but some other you know, conditions, like if the patient had comorbidities like congestive heart failure or some renal disease, those may be you know, cases that need a little bit more intense monitoring and home care nursing wouldn't be able to provide that. So they needed to be in a monitored setting like the ER or the hospital for those severe cases. Before we wrap up then today, I'd just like to ask our authors, do you have any other comments that you'd like to share with our listeners? I would just like to mention that we were very successful in our, in our efforts in preventing and avoiding hospital readmissions. And as we all know, that's a big push for hospital reimbursement. But really to have that success, we partnered with our patients first and foremost. 
but also the dietitians and the home care clinicians and the physicians who all accomplish this as a team. And I think in healthcare, we've always pushed towards being very reactive. And this protocol, what we've always done this education and monitoring for dehydration, but we changed the order of being more towards moving in a proactive manner to have those IV fluids already on hand in the patient's home so that we just decrease some of the barriers and having that as a layer or a delay in treatment kind of was eliminated. I think really trying to contribute to the quality and keeping the patient at home so that we're contributing to their quality of life, hopefully maintaining what they have and keeping them at home or if they're working, um, not missing work from a hospital admission or an ER visit as well as from the cost perspective. Well, thank you, Denise and Mandy, for sharing your expertise with our listeners. And I invite our readers to find out more about this study and other nutrition support topics in the June 2017 issue of Nutrition and Clinical Practice.